Hello, health investor. Welcome back to another episode of the Health Investment Podcast. And this isn't just any episode. This is the second episode in the series of actionable tips for sustaining a healthy diet and lifestyle. Because that's what we're all really in the market for, right? Actionable tips that fit into our busy lives. Last week, you heard from Tracy. Today, you're going to hear from Kylie Evenier. Kylie got her BS in physiological science at UCLA and went on to work at Columbia Medical Center with oncology patients as a clinical research coordinator. She then completed her MSRD at Columbia University. Since then, she's helped clients with gut health and fat loss. Kylie's passion is helping each of her clients shift from fat storing to fat burning. She practices virtually and works with clients all over the world. I was taking notes the entire time Kylie was talking. I seriously learned so much from her, especially how to make her signature Key 3 smoothie. Before we get to the interview, I want to share an Apple Podcast review with you. Julia Samantha rated the Health Investment Podcast 5 stars and wrote, Incredible podcast. The episodes are so informative. I truly feel like these are tips that will help me with a sustainable, healthy lifestyle. The recommendations are easy to follow. I love the grocery store tips in particular. Can't wait for the next episode. Thank you so much for those kind words, Julia Samantha, and also for taking the time to write them out. Each written review not only means the world to me, but each one also sends a message to the podcast gods out there, a message saying that people like what they're hearing. This helps my podcast to show up in searches and reach more people. So your reviews help me accomplish my number one goal, to help as many people as possible look and feel their best without any BS. All right. I know you're dying to hear about Kylie's Key 3 smoothie and all of the other actionable tips she shares. Enjoy! Hi, I'm Brooke Simonson, certified nutrition coach and host of the Health Investment Podcast. Here's the thing. You deserve to feel amazing. But here's the other thing. There are so many confusing messages out there. Week after week, I'm going to share tips and practices that actually work for simple weight loss and sustainable wellness, because I want to help you get healthy for good without any BS. When I'm not podcasting, I work with clients one-on-one, so visit the show notes to book your free consultation. And don't forget to leave a review so that others can become trim, energized, confident, BS-busting rock stars like you. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Kylie. Thank you so much for being here today on the Health Investment Podcast. I've been following you on Instagram for a while, and I love all of the tips you post about your smoothies and the meals you're cooking and just all of the healthy things. So I'm excited to pick your brain today about the actionable tips you have for listeners. Yay, and I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me on here. So first, would you mind telling everyone your story and your background and how you kind of ended up in the health and nutrition space to begin with? 
Yes. So kind of a long story. So I'm going to cut it down a little bit. Um, but I, I started, I guess my passion for nutrition started in undergrad, um, but I wasn't really sure what direction I wanted to go. I've always loved the science. Um, so I was kind of torn between, you know, medicine, science route or nutrition. I ended up going the nutrition route um, and I did my master as a nutrition and then I decided after graduating, I was kind of like, oh, this isn't sciencey enough for me. I felt like a lot of the job opportunities were just in, you know, the supplement industry and a bunch of promotional things. And so then I went back, started working at the hospital. I worked at the Columbia Oncology Center with leukemia patients for two years. And I, you know, I loved working in the hospital, but then I kind of did another shift and realized that a lot of people in the hospital, you know, not the cancer patients specifically, but the majority of the hospital um, were admitted for things that were preventable that were related to diet and nutrition. Um, so then I kind of did another flip and then I went back and completed, I took the master's and then I completed my RD to become a dietitian. Um, so that was back in New York. And um, I initially was doing a lot of GI and gut health, which I really loved. And I still love and I still think is a very important part of nutrition and our health. Um, but I shifted into more weight loss um, as I was doing initially. And not to say that I don't do gut health, but I think that the research is very new in the GI and gut health world. And I think we need to be very cautious with it. Mm. So I decided to go into something that I can recommend more certainly on and wait until the research catches up a little bit in that sphere. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, so right now I deal, you know, with mainly, um, weight loss and weight management and overall health. And that's kind of what my focus is on. Great. So, Talking about gut health, something you said really interested me, the research hasn't caught up. Are there any misconceptions floating around out there about tips for gut health or there's all these detox teas and things? What do you see that really makes you cringe? Oh, a lot of it makes you cringe. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> so, I mean, I think that there's so much excitement in this field and I think it's very important because as we know, gut health is related to our immune system, to our hormones, to our neurotransmitters and our overall health. So, you know, very rightfully so people are excited and companies are excited. Um, but on the other hand, like you said, there's a lot of cringe worthy, worthy things like let's take probiotics, for example, you know, people are spending a ton of money on probiotics. A lot of these probiotics aren't even made from human strains. They're made from animal strains that do nothing for us. Um, there also might not be the exact strains that we need. A lot of these probiotics aren't tested and we don't even know if they make it to the large intestine where they need to go. Um, so the whole field of probiotics, the whole market of probiotics is somewhat cringeworthy. There's, there's some beneficial ones out there, but the majority are either a waste of money or can even be harmful. Um, a lot of the testing for GI is also you know, not very science-based. There's a lot of companies out there that say they can test your gut and tell you exactly what you need to eat, but we are very far from knowing how to do that. Um, so I think if I had to pick like two main things that I see often as related to gut health that are cringeworthy, those are definitely, those are definitely the big two. And of course, the right. detoxes and cleanses and all of that. <laughs> yeah, so much out there that, yeah, it's just, I think 
also when you are in our space. I think we follow a lot of people, um, you know, that are doing different things. So maybe we even see more of it than other people do. But yeah, yeah there's, a lot, there's a lot of crap out there. <laughs> there is. And kind of the number one tip that I give people when it comes to gut health is, and this is really the one thing we're certain about and the scientific field is certain about, is that the most important indicator of microbiome or gut health is the diversity of gut bacteria that we have. And in order to get the diversity of gut bacteria, we want to eat a diverse plant diet. You know, that's not to say that you have to be vegan, but that's just to say that you have to include a variety of plants in your day-to-day or week-to-week. And that's really the most important tip to take out of this whole gut health world. Right. How do you make sure to do that in your own life? What are your tips for having as many plants as possible? So one of... The best tools for that, uh, and this is a tool that I use with a lot of my weight loss clients as well, is what I call my Key 3 smoothie. And it's just a really simple way to get all of the macronutrients and the micronutrients that our body needs to function optimally and to balance our blood sugar, to regulate our hunger hormones, and to help our microbiome and our gut health thrive. Um, So that's something that I do every morning. It's easy. you know, I can be consistent with it. So, and the key three just stands for clean proteins, healthy fats, and fibers. Um, And, you know, there's a bunch of ways and varieties to make a key three smoothie as long as it includes those three elements. So that's a really good way to kind of get a daily dose of plant fibers. Um, and then for lunch and dinner, I really just try to make sure that 75% of my plate is plant fibers. So greens, non-starchy vegetables, um, and I do eat seafood. I eat meat in moderation. Um, but no matter what, I make sure that my plate is 75% fibrous vegetables to feed my gut bacteria, to make me feel full, to get all of the great phytochemicals that come from the plant foods. Um, and, and yeah, just switching it up. I think, you know, eating seasonally helps us switch it up. When you're shopping, how do you go about making sure that you get a diverse number of vegetables? Like what's your strategy? Oh, so that's a really good question. I, I always, so there's always basic things that I get, um, that I get every time. And that's kind of like the greens, asparagus, some cauliflower rice. And then I try every week to find like one or two new things that I throw into the mix, you know, so I don't like to drive myself crazy and switch my shopping list completely every week. Mm -hmm. So I kind of hit the basics and then I tell myself, okay, this week I'm going to try to incorporate this next week. I'll do this. And now it's kind of an easy diversification. Yeah. I like that. We just signed up for a local farm box. Um, whenever, when anybody's listening to this, we're still quarantined in Northern California. So just to make grocery shopping easier, it's nice. We stop by a local wine store and they have a farm delivery there. So you pick up a box, but it's been kind of cool and challenging, almost like an episode of Chopped from the Food Network where you get this <laughs> box of ingredients of all these vegetables. And some of them, the other day we got garlic, garlic greens. Have you heard of this? I have. I actually saw them here frozen. I threw them into a stir fry once, but I have no idea if that's what I was supposed to be doing. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, yeah, I have no idea how to use it either, but they look kind of like green onions, 
So I've just been using them as I would green onions, and they kind of are a mix between garlic and green onions. They have a really interesting flavor, but we just keep getting these in the box, and it's like, okay, I guess we're using these garlic greens again. (laughs) But it's cool because when I lived in New York, I used the Misfits Market, and I know some people use Imperfect Produce, but I've also found that if you subscribe to one of those boxes, that could be an easy way of a surprise vegetable box. You don't even know what you're getting, but it kind of forces me to try new things because I'm not choosing the same things out of habit at the grocery store every week. Yeah, that's a really, really good. I'm glad that you brought that up because I really think that's one of the best ways to diversify and switch things up in the kitchen um, when you have no choice and you're just getting whatever the farm produces. And then you're also getting the best quality produce because that's what the farm produced the most of. And that's usually the highest in nutrients. Um, so I think that's a great idea for sure. Yeah. We got some carrots in the last box and I swear I've never had carrots that tasted so good. They're just crisp. Mm. They're very sweet and you can just tell the freshness and the quality versus what you get in the supermarket that's been there for, you know, who knows how long. So it's great if that's something accessible and affordable to you to try, um, or obviously just going to a farmer's market or your local grocery store works as well. What's your take on frozen vegetables? So I love frozen vegetables. I think they get a bad rap and people think that they're kind of like, you know, the lower class vegetable, but they're actually often more fresh than fresh vegetables because, you know, frozen vegetables often get like flash frozen, meaning that they're picked and frozen and the freezing process preserves the nutrients in them. Um, whereas fresh vegetables, they get picked and then they can be transported across the country or even across the world. And through that entire journey, they're losing nutrients. So I think frozen vegetables are a cheap and very nutritious and easy option. You know, they don't go bad. Um, we can kind of stock up on them, especially during quarantine times. And the best part is like, they really are more nutritious. So I think that I encourage my clients to get frozen vegetables if they some so I think the downside is sometimes they don't taste as good as fresh um but I can get past that (laughs) yeah me too especially if you throw a little olive oil and salt and pepper on them I mean that makes everything taste good (laughs) some garlic olive oil lemon yeah so I'm a big proponent of frozen vegetables especially the ones that go bad quickly so for example like Brussels sprouts and broccoli, they go bad really quickly. And even if we don't see them necessarily going bad, they have what we call like a high cellular respiration, meaning that the plant uses its own nutrients very quickly. So like vitamin C broccoli can drop by almost 80% by the time we get it from the grocery store. So at least if we get it frozen, that means it's retained a lot more of the vitamin C. Oh, that's really, that's fascinating. Well, then that's great news for me because I just started buying frozen broccoli rice along with frozen cauliflower rice. So mostly because I'm lazy, but (laughs) I'll say it's because I knew that fun fact. (laughs) I get frozen broccoli and cauliflower rice and I eat it at least a couple of times a week. So I'm right there with you. Okay. Well, good. I think that's why I've connected to your stuff because I see that you're just doing very simple, accessible things over there as well. Even though you're in Spain, (laughs) I feel like you're right here with me. My question also, when you were talking about gut health, I'm wondering, how do you feel about fermenting things? Has that been shown to really help diversity in the gut? Yeah. So I love 
um, fermented food and partially because the fermentation process actually unlocks a lot of the really good enzymes and nutrients in the food. So it helps, it makes it a lot easier to digest and it actually makes a lot of the nutrients more bioavailable. When it comes down to increasing diversity of um, bacteria in our gut through fermented food, we're not really sure about that because if you think about it, when we eat fermented food, it has to first go through our stomach, which is super acidic, and then it has to go through our small intestine, and then it gets to our large intestine. So we're not really sure how much of the bacteria make it down to the large intestine where it needs to be. Um, And so... I definitely recommend eat fermented food because I think it's great and I think it's healthy, but it doesn't necessarily diversify our bacteria, if that makes sense. Um, Yeah. Does it help with any other piece of gut health, would you say, or not so much? It can help people with digestion just because it's getting more bacteria in our system and that can just help with digestion. There's, yeah, so I... I definitely recommend it, even if we're not sure how much of the bacteria gets it da- gets down to where it needs to be. I think it's a great thing to include in our diet. Um, I would just say, you know, for people with a lot of GI issues, that might not be the key, and they might have to go a little bit further than just fermented food. But for you know, kind of the average person that's trying to optimize that's trying to optimize their gut health, I definitely recommend it. So it sounds like just an assortment of vegetables first and foremost is where to go. Do you not even recommend probiotics to your clients? Do you just say eat all of the veggies? I do. Yeah. So I, I tend to not recommend them. If clients want to try them, then I will give them, you know, two brands that I think have done the best clinical testing and that have the best chance of working. And I find sometimes when you know, client wants to try something, they want to try something no matter what I say. So I give them my best recommendation. And if it helps, it helps. And if it doesn't, I know that it's a brand that didn't do them any harm. Um, And what are those two brands? So the first one is Seed. And they've actually Mm -hmm. done a lot of, you know, rigorous testing to make sure that the probiotics get down to where they need to be. They've tested their stability of the probiotics and it's actually, you know, effective human strains. So seed is a great one. And then kind of like a lower price point one that I recommend is called Align. And that one you can find on Amazon. Um, Both don't need to be refrigerated. And so, yeah, those are kind of the two that I would recommend if people want to take probiotics. Mm. And then if somebody's eating just a balanced diet with all of the macronutrients and micronutrients needs met, Do you generally recommend supplementation in other forms or are you kind of not a proponent of that? So that's a really good question. And again, it also, I feel like with everything in nutrition, I'm like, well, it depends. (laughs) But so kind of with the probiotics and prebiotics, like as long as, um, you know, you're getting a diverse amount of plant fibers, I don't think prebiotic fibers are necessary, but they can help things like acacia fiber or green banana powder. I think they can help and we can always help our gut health. So acacia fiber is a supplement that I do recommend and you can throw it in smoothies. You can even put it in your morning coffee and it's just more food for that good bacteria. And it's much more effective than probiotics. So um, acacia fiber when it comes to gut health. 
In general, when it comes to supplements, um, the main ones I do recommend are vitamin D, just because most of us mm-hmm. are deficient. Um, I do, depending on lab values, I'll recommend vitamin B12 because even those of us that eat meat and seafood can often be um, low in B12. So that I will recommend. Um, I also recommend omega-3s. I think those are pretty important. And you know, I tend to eat seafood a lot. So even I sometimes supplement with omega-3s. And I think those are just very important for our gut health, for our brain health, for cardiovascular health, for skin health. So I'm a big proponent of omega-3s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and again, the the part where I say it depends, it also very much depends on the brand, you know, as long I think supplements, if they're not from the right brand, then they can do more harm than good. So for sure. But those three are are kind of the the big ones. And then obviously it depends on lab results. We can sometimes supplement with other things. You mentioned the key three smoothie. What are some other tips you have for just making some really simple lunches or dinners? Do you have any kind of go-tos that you do always or that you recommend to clients? Yeah. So one of my big go-tos for like easy, healthy, keep, I, so I say key three smoothies and I also say key three meals because, um, my approach to weight loss is like balancing blood sugar, regulating hormones and like eating to satiety. And the key three is very key for that. So I say that we want to have the key three in every smoothie and on every plate and in every snack. Um, and again, that's mm. clean proteins, healthy fats and fibers. So a really easy way to get the key three in where when we're in a rush and we just want something quick is taking like a sheet pan, throwing some frozen fish and vegetables, putting in the oven for 25 minutes and you have, you know, with some olive oil and season it however you want. And within 25 minutes, you have a perfect meal. Um, and then my second one that's usually very easy and delicious is, you know, we were talking about the frozen cauliflower and broccoli rice. So that's a big one that I love to use um, just as a base to get like that fiber in and get that volume in and then throw either some other frozen vegetables or fresh vegetables on there with, um, it can be, you know, protein that we've cooked or, you know, there's some good canned um, seafood, um, some good canned like salmon or tuna that can also be thrown on for a quick lunch to get that protein in. Um, and yeah, so those are kind of like the two like easy, quick things that I'd recommend. And then obviously a salad's always super easy to make. You know, you can get all, you can get a large plant diversity and as long as you're throwing some healthy fats and proteins on top, um, that could be a really easy lunch. Um, now it's all, we're in quarantine. So I feel like everybody's home all the time and people, are getting a little bit more creative, but for normal life, those are kind of like the quick recommendations that I have. Yeah, for sure. I'm about to attempt making my own sourdough bread. So (laughs) we'll see how that goes. Yeah. I've hopped on that train. It's, you know, I've hit the point now where I'm looking for a new hobby. So (laughs) that's amazing. I've never done that, but I'm curious how yours turns out. So. Yeah, I, everybody is. We're all excited to see it. I, I ruined the first starter. So, I mean, it was my own fault. I didn't really have the scale yet, and I just thought I knew what I was doing, but I didn't. Uh, so now I have another starter 
going. So we'll see. I've heard it's a tough process. So I'm sure that even if you fail the first couple ones, that's totally part of the fun. (laughs) I know. The sad part about it is you watch all these YouTube videos of these bakers doing it and it looks so easy. And then when you try it yourself, it looks a little different. So you mentioned volume and I like you post about that quite often. Can you explain, I don't know that everybody's familiar with this idea of volume for satiety and what you mean by that? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the best example is, you know, sometimes when you eat a protein bar, it can have the right amount of calories that we need with the right amount of protein and the right amount of fats, but we usually don't feel full right after a protein bar. Um, And so I always recommend to my clients whenever any meal that they're eating to get enough volume to stretch the stomach because the stretch of the stomach actually decreases our hunger hormone. That's called ghrelin. And you know, that's the hormone that's like, I need to eat, give me food. I'm not satisfied. So by giving that stomach a little bit of a stretch, ghrelin goes down and then our brain kind of processes like, okay, I've been fed. I can calm down. Um, and that's not to say, you know, we need to like stretch to be uncomfortable, but we need that like bit of weight in our stomach to feel that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And so we can do that, you know, with usually the, the part of the key three that does that is the fibers, whether it's like a bed of greens or side of, you know, big side of vegetables, um, just to get that volume and stretch. Mm -hmm. I've even read somewhere that adding more ice and water to a smoothie can increase the volume. Is that the case, do you think? Yeah, I mean, that could definitely do it because, you know, you're increasing the volume of the smoothie. I personally don't add, I, I might actually start adding it over summer, but, you know, usually I don't add ice to the smoothies right now. Um, but it's definitely a way to do that. Yeah. Any, yeah. Water, ice. I think that's actually a good, a good tip that maybe I might start using. (laughs) (laughs) I forget where, you know, where you hear all these little snippets and then you lock them away, but I think it might've been, I don't know if you follow him. I think it was Max Lugavere who posted that, but it's one of those things that stuck with me. I don't always add ice either, but, um, yeah, I just thought about that because we were talking about volume. It's like so I even recommend like a you know drinking water before every meal, and that's kind of a similar you know just to get that weight. And I mean, I recommend it usually for hydration, but it also kind of gets us to feel more full, and I guess does contribute to that stretch as well. Right. So yeah, for sure. Um, what are your favorite oils and spices to cook with, just to make really simple, flavorful meals? Hmm. So my favorite, I love ghee. I just love the flavor. I love the creaminess. Um, and it's really versatile because you can cook on really high temperatures. Um, and it just adds such a delicious flavor. So that's one of my big go-tos. And I love fats. So I use that pretty liberally. Um, and the other fats that I'll use, all of so when I'm cooking on like low to medium heat, I'll use olive oil. And if I'm cooking on higher heat, then I'll use avocado oil. And I think one kind of thing to clarify in the avocado oil world is if you are cooking with it on high heat, to make sure that it's not the extra virgin avocado oil, mm. because that has a smoke point that's very similar to olive oil. And we don't want to use oils beyond their smoke point. So, yeah, so for high heat, avocado oil, as long as it's not extra virgin, and then for low to medium, usually olive oil. Does that mean that olive oil that's not extra virgin, you could cook with at higher heats? 
Yep, exactly. So oh. the more processed and refined they are, they can take the higher heat that they can take. Mm. And that's not to say that we want to use processed oils because, you know, those are less healthy for us. But with avocado oil, it's okay if it's not like the extra virgin type or the extra virgin kind. Mm. Interesting. That makes sense. Yeah. And then what do yeah. you use usually for flavor? So for flavor, I I have this like Mediterranean mix of spices that I use. I honestly don't, it has like parsley, oregano, um, some thyme. So I really like the Mediterranean spices to put on fish or on veggies. Um, but if I'm not putting like a spice mix, then I'll usually just do some, you know, really good olive oil, some pink Himalayan salt, some black pepper. Um, and maybe some like cayenne pepper on top to give it a little bit of a kick. Mm. And that, that's usually my go-to. And some lemon. If I, I'll put lemon on everything. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think it's so good to just keep things as simple as possible. We have kind of the six things we pull out every time we're eating. It's usually some type of hot sauce. We will use onion powder, garlic powder when cooking, salt, pepper, obviously, um, we have a, I don't know if you've ever tried the smoked Malden salt is really good. Ooh, yum. I have the Malden salt, but not the smoked. And that sounds delicious. It is fantastic. And for some reason, I thought it was this really expensive, luxurious pr- purchase because it tastes so amazing. <laughs> but then I went to reorder some on Amazon the other day and it was $5. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah. It's crazy. I mean, it's so, so good. Wow. I mean, I have to try that because I'm sure that would add so much flavor to any dish. It does. And I think that's one of the barriers sometimes to entry into cooking your own food is just how do I do it? What do I use to season? You know, if you order one of those HelloFresh boxes or something, it comes with all of these different seasonings. And that's great because it's all there for you. But then trying to recreate it yourself, it feels like you have to go out and buy every spice in the store and they're super expensive. But I mean, I would say we literally use the same 10 or fewer things in everything we make and everything tastes great. Yeah, I agree. And that's kind of the way I am too, because otherwise it gets too overwhelming and you have to think about what to use each time. So I'm very much with you, like keep it simple and, you know, find something that you like and, you know, use it on every dish and switch it up when you feel like it. You have time and it's the weekend. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I loved your idea too about the frozen fish and the frozen do you put frozen vegetables too on the sheet pan for the sheet pan meal so usually I put fresh vegetables I just cut them super big so you know for example Uh I'll just cut it into like in half and then down twice and you know so it's like a really quick cutting process and usually I'll put them on fresh vegetables Uh Um, but it's so quick because you know it's not like I have to saute them and then get a bunch of things dirty they just go on the same sheet pan that I'm already going to have to clean up from the fish actually you don't even have to clean it up because if you put some parchment paper on the bottom you're mm. not cleaning up the sheet pan um yeah we just got these reusable silicon they're like a replacement for parchment paper I, and those are amazing because you don't have to clean anything i love that and i need to get some of those spain doesn't have yeah they but i'm probably going to have to order some yeah, you're going to have to order some. There, I think, again, we got them on Amazon, and they're a little pricier. It's like when you invest in the silicon Ziploc bags or whatever, they're a little pricier up front, but then you save. I mean, you never buy parchment paper again. And clean up, I mean, our sheet pans are just staying beautiful because they're not getting all of that crusty, burnt part on them. They're just 
Yeah. The, the, everything just rinses right off of the silicon pad and then your sheet pan, you don't have to do anything with. So Amazing. I actually might order those right when we're done with it because I think you should, and then you should get Malden salt too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those will be two good upgrades for my kitchen. <laughs> Definitely. So when you're working with a client, um, you focus on weight loss, weight management. What do you find are some of the bigger mindset shifts that they need to make throughout the process of working with you? Oh, that is such a good question. So if I have to think of kind of the biggest one right now that I'm seeing, um, and it's kind of derived from our whole diet culture world, is I find a lot of women are so stuck in this deprivation and let me save my calories mode. And Mm. they feel like that's kind of the way to lose weight. And they almost congratulate themselves on skipping breakfast or skipping lunch. And that's the mentality. So really getting them to shift. um, Because one of the things that I really work on with clients is what I call like an early dinner and done. You have an early dinner, you're done. You don't need anything once it's dark. Um, And to get them to do that, I really have to make sure that they're nourishing themselves well during the day. And so to make that shift from, you know, what diet culture puts in our brain of deprivation and saving calories to let me nourish my body in the morning and at noon. So when I get to dinner, I'm not starving and I'm not eating a ton after the sun has come down, um, I think is one of the most challenging shifts to make. Um, And I know that I was definitely stuck in that too. You know, since we hit puberty, we're told that we need to be tiny and skinny and we don't want to eat. So, you know, I, I definitely understand where that mentality comes from. Um, and so I think that's, that's definitely a big one and it takes a little bit of time to adjust that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I remember reading in your Instagram profile that it's something about you eat more, right? To lose weight, but eating more. Yeah. And I love that because that was a big shift that I had as well in my twenties when I was kind of on the hamster wheel of trying different things and nothing working long-term. But once I broke out of the, everything should be low calorie, low fat, and I started actually eating fat and things that satiated me, it was incredible because I was eating so much more and almost effortlessly losing weight. And I just had, I mean, it was so freeing, but then looking back, it's like, man, if I only would have known this sooner. Right. And I love how you just said like effortless effortlessly losing weight because I think that's the key. It's once we nourish our body and we feed it what it needs in order to function, it just starts losing the weight for us and it starts finding its natural set point without us having to be miserable and deprive ourselves all the time and, you know, cut our portions and over exercise. So I think that's a really, really accurate way to put it. What about in terms of sleep? Do you have any top tips? Yes. So when it comes to sleep, and that's such an important one, and I always wait to talk about that with my clients because I'm like, I don't want to throw too much at them. And then I have this internal struggle because I'm like, but sleep is so important for cravings and it's so important for weight loss, but it's just this whole other beast to talk about. I know. You don't want to get into every single thing in the first session. Let me change your life. Right. Um, (laughs) So I think my biggest tips with sleep is, so first of all, as it relates to food, you know, our the way that our body controls our circadian rhythm is one through light hitting our eyes and setting off that hormonal cascade that starts with melatonin that kind of um, 
sets our circadian rhythm. And the second thing that does that is food. So really keeping on like a regular food schedule and not waiting to eat your first meal at 2 p.m. very much sets our circadian rhythm. It gets our circadian rhythm in sync with our metabolism. So then our body does start winding down as the day goes on. Um, So as it comes to food, like two of my tips are to not wait with breakfast until 2 p.m., you know, to eat breakfast within like three hours of waking up um, and also to front load calories. So the majority of our food should be eaten in the beginning of the day. So that those are kind of my big ones when it relates to food. And as it doesn't relate to food, um, getting so getting some like vitamin D or sunlight before noon, I think is really important to regulating our circadian rhythm and also getting movement earlier on the day if possible. I know that's not realistic for everybody, but you know, sometimes I just get my clients to do like a 10 minute workout in the morning before they go to work. And that can be very helpful. Um, and you know, whether 10 minute workout or even a 10 minute walk, and I think we can all fit that into our morning somehow. Um, and Then when it comes to kind of a nighttime tip for sleep, I love the app Headspace. I don't know if you've Mm. ever used it, but they have like a three-minute or five-minute meditation. And before I used this app, I could not meditate for the life of me. You would ask me to sit for two minutes, and that was not possible. Um, But he guides you through like a three-minute meditation that really clears your head, kind of helps you let go of the day, whatever happened, whatever was done or wasn't done. Um, and that really clears my head before sleep. Mm. So I love headspace. Um, and then also, you know, a nice nighttime tea is always, always a plus, whether it's like a valerian root or like an aromatic lavender tea to just kind of relax your body and mind and, you know, self-care a little bit at the end of the day. Yeah. I love that. I, I will admit I had headspace the app for a year and I never used it. So <laughs> that was my mistake. <laughs> it's, and I, I mean, I, I probably had like, I think another app before that, that I never touched, but there was something about Headspace that just made it so easy that I ended up kind of getting into it. And that's not to say that I'm consistent, but for example, last night I had so much going on. I had so many emails and my fiance was like, okay, you're not going to sleep well. Like go do something about this. Go do that Headspace thing. <laughs> Yeah, go, go do something. So I sat myself in a corner and I did it for three minutes and I felt like a different person. And I felt like that is such a good transition for me into bed. So Yeah, I, I definitely need to work on that. I've dabbled in my own, you know, kind of breathing practices and meditation practices, but I don't have a set one. And that's something that I really need to, it's, you know, on my to-do list constantly of like, do that meditation thing, but <laughs> so I think that you know the three minute thing made a big difference for me because the five minute that I saw at first, I was like, wow, that's kind of a long time to be sitting there and meditating. But once I saw the three minute option, I'm like, okay, I got this. I can be consistent with this. Okay, yeah, I like that. I could do anything for three minutes. <laughs> Real quick, I want to take a break from the episode to share one of my favorite resources with you. One of the BS messages floating around out there is that eating healthy costs too much. Honestly, I used to believe this myself. That is, until I discovered ThriveMarket.com. ThriveMarket is an online grocery platform that's essentially Costco meets Trader Joe's meets Whole Foods. 
I love that I can shop on their mobile app and have all of my favorite groceries, everything from natural wine to 100% grass-fed beef to nutritious crackers, everything delivered right to my door. Last year, I saved over $1,000 shopping on Thrive. I honestly can't think of one reason not to love it. To save a percentage off your first order and see my full shopping list, click through the links in the show notes. Now, back to the episode. What about in terms of movement and exercise? Do you have any tips that you give clients for that? You mentioned getting outside first thing. I think that's a great one. Get the sunlight and the fresh air, go for a walk. But what about in terms of sweating or more strenuous exercise? Yes. So when it comes to fat burn, the most effective fat burn is done in the morning fasted. So I usually say like after coffee and before breakfast, that's if you drink black coffee. If you drink coffee with milk in it, then I would say work out before the coffee. Mm -hmm. Um, So fasted workout is a very efficient way of fat burning. Um, And that's because, you know, we don't have any glucose in our system yet. And so our muscles kind of are just able to dump all of that glycogen or, you know, stored glucose or sugars and use that. And it kind of primes them to absorb food for the rest of the day. Um, So for, yeah. So when it comes to effective fat burn, definitely a fasted morning workout. And that can be even a 15 minute high intensity. Um, I usually with exercise say whatever, you know, my clients have time for, it can be Mm -hmm. 10, 15 minutes, 30 minutes if they want. Um, and then it also, I think exercise is very dependent on the person, you know, like when it comes to weight loss, we also want to keep cortisol levels down and that's our stress hormone. So I have clients that for them, it's actually better to do a more like, you know, low impact exercise, like a walk or yoga, as opposed to high intensity, even though high intensity may burn more calories, but for them, that's not right. Um, for other clients, you know, high intensity is great because they don't have high stress levels and it's fine for them to do that. So it's very, very variable depending on the person. Uh, but for most of my clients are like, I want to lose weight. Tell me what to do. I don't care about anything else. So that's when I'm like, okay, morning fasted workout. That's for you. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great tip. I always say you can't hate what you're doing. It needs to be convenient-ish and you have to schedule it. You have to just put it in that calendar and adhere to it like it's an important work meeting because otherwise it's something that's just so easy to like, oh, I can do it tomorrow or I'll push it back two hours or whatever. And then it never happens. Right. And yeah, no, that's such a good point. You know, and they say like, if you put it in your calendar and you also put exactly what you're going to do, where you're going to do and for how long you're, I don't remember the exact number, but it was like, you're 80% more likely to actually stick to it. So. Oh yeah. I believe that for sure. It's, And I think also that's a really good tip for people who are maybe getting into exercise. And then it's kind of like when you get so used to doing anything and it becomes a habit, it becomes automatic. Maybe you don't need to do that adhering to a schedule as much anymore, but especially at first, even for me, it's like I'm starting to do more weight stuff and I have to put it in my calendar. Like you said, like what I'm going to do, how long I'm going to do it, where I'm going to do it. And then I do it. And if it's just kind of this vague idea, then I don't do it. Right. We skip right over it. Yeah. And I think that also kind of brings up the point of we have to find something that we can be consistent with. And it's much better to stick to a 25 minute workout as opposed to put an hour in our calendar and then never do it. You know, so that's really attainable and then build our way up. If we 
enjoy the 25 minutes and then we want to do 45, then we'll do 45. Um, Right. And I think fortunately so much research has come out in recent years showing that these quicker workouts can have really impactful results. So it's not that idea that we, that I used to have, that if I'm not working out for 60 minutes, I'm not doing anything. It's almost to the contrary now mm-hmm. that those quick bursts could really be very beneficial. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. And that makes us feel much better about our short, because I'm very much like short workout person. So that made me feel much better when that came out. I was like, cool. I know. I'm like five minute GPM meal plus a 15 minute workout. I could do that. So if somebody is kind of on the verge of entering into a weight loss program or kind of feeling that out, or maybe they are just kind of wanting to feel healthier, have more energy, but they're still kind of overwhelmed by all of the advice and mixed messages out there. What would be kind of your first, most simplest piece of advice for that person? So my first and simplest piece of advice, um, I think would be to split your day up into thirds. I find that really helps my clients that are overwhelmed and start with the first third of your day and make one change. So I, you know, recommend the Keith Reese smoothie. So we're changing your morning. You're going to start with a Keith Reese smoothie. Do that for a week and then look at the second third of your day and say, what can you change about lunch? You know, maybe it's having more fiber or maybe it's having water before your lunch or maybe it's taking a walk at lunch and then looking at the last third of your day and then making a change there. Um, So really splitting it up into thirds as opposed to looking at our whole day at once. And then in terms of specific Like my best tool for weight loss, weight management, energy, hormone control is really the key three smoothie. Um, And it just sounds so simple, but it's, it's a tool that, you know, kind of, we were just talking about consistency. A big part of health is consistency. It's something that you can do every day. And this smoothie just enables people to stick with it every day. Um, So, and you know, what you also do in the morning sets the tone for the rest of your day. It primes your metabolism. It balances your blood sugar. So really starting your day with a key three smoothie. Um, and again, that's clean protein, healthy fats, and fibers. Um, is really can be transformative for somebody's weight and energy. And I see that very, very often. I always start clients the first week, you know, all on the first call, we'll kind of go over everything, what their goals, what their lifestyle is. And the only change that I'll ask them to make is usually a key three smoothie. And I'll ask them to find like an inspirational quote to put in their bathroom and in front of their mirror and on their phone. And those are the only things that I ask them to do. And a week later, often I hear like, wow, I lost six pounds just making that change or like, Mm. you know, that's all I did. And I feel so much better. So I think that it's a really powerful tool for anybody that's listening to use. Yeah. And I love how, again, you've mentioned how simple it is, but I think that's really powerful to hear to anyone listening that it is the simple things you do that are consistent and it can feel like this overwhelming feat. There's so many things out there. I have to do all of the things at once, but really consistent changes that are slow and steady. I mean, that's, what's going to be sustainable. So that's really what you're after, right? Not this, like you mentioned before, the diet culture of overhaul your entire lifestyle and diet and do this one thing for 30 days. That's not going to be as sustainable. Right. Yeah, that's right. And 
like you said, the simplest things, even just water, you know, it's one of the lowest hanging fruit that, you know, even I forget to do, but just increasing your water intake for a week can make drastic differences on weight and energy. (laughs) Definitely. I was wondering when you're talking about the key three smoothie, do you have a, do you usually use a protein powder? And if so, do you have one that you recommend? Yes. So I do use a protein powder. Um, and I recommend, so the best brand is Truvani. Um, okay. however, they're a bit pricey. So usually people kind of go for my second recommendation, which is the clean lean protein by new zest. And they are, I, so sorry, a little bit of a backtrack. So those are the specific brands, but in general, if I were the type of protein powder that I usually recommend is a pea protein, just because it's the most complete source of plant protein. Um, or a whey, if somebody is fine with dairy, then whey can also be an option. Um, so organic pea protein or grass-fed whey when it comes to the mm. type of protein. Um, and then in terms of the brands, when for the pea protein, I'd recommend Truvani or New Zest or Now Foods. Now Foods is the most affordable one, and it's actually one of the best regulated and best quality. They use it on athletes, so it's very well tested, and I love Now Foods. Um, you can get a whole tub of pea protein powder for under 20 bucks, and it's very good quality. Um, because one of the big issues with protein powders is like trace metals. Um, that are toxic and they can, you know, they can be in high amounts because it's such a condensed form of the plant. So it's really important to get a brand that's regulated. So now foods is great for that. Um, and then, so that's for the protein powder. And then I also use collagen and I love vital proteins, collagen, specifically the marine collagen, just because it's more absorbable than the bovine. Um, so yeah, so I love putting some pea protein and some collagen for, you know, for my clients that get enough protein from food sources, they can use just the collagen in the morning. Um, for my clients that don't get enough protein from food sources, I recommend the pea protein because pea is like, it's a more complete protein than the collagen. Yeah, no, those are great. I don't, I have the vital proteins collagen right now. And so when I make smoothies, I usually add that, but I've been wanting to dip my toes into the protein powder water, but I feel like it's just, again, super overwhelming out there of all the brands. So I'm going to look into those three and thank you for sharing this. Yeah. And then, so I, in terms of flavor, I would say, so not to give too much detail, but like, you know, Truvani is really, really good quality. New Zest is really good quality too, and really good flavor and texture. And then Now Foods is the most affordable, and it's also really well-regulated, but the flavor is not as good. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you have to make some sacrifices. Exactly, one way or another. But New Zest, New Zest Clean Lean Protein is kind of like the happy medium. Okay, great. Well, I'll put links to all of those in the show notes and then also other uh, resources you've mentioned. But one final question I ask each of my guests is based on the title of the podcast. So in your opinion, what does it mean to make the health investment? Oh, that is a good question. So I think that what it means to make the health investment is realize that, you know, we have one vessel that takes us throughout our entire life and we have to treat it, you know, very kindly. And the kindly means 
treating it nice, you know, well, physically, mentally, and emotionally. Um, I think it's kind of a, you know, a health investment should be a holistic approach to our wellness. Um, and I think it means it's the best investment that you're going to make. You're investing in yourself because as we know now, if we don't have health, then we don't have anything. That sounds a bit dramatic. So sorry about that. <laughs> no, but I know I'm on board. That's where I came up with the name. So I'm right there with you. Yeah, you know, we can have the best career, the best life, but if we don't have our health then we can't enjoy all these beautiful things in life. So, you know, I, I think a health investment is really a no brainer. Um, and I think the word health investment is such an accurate term because, you know, people, when they start spending on their health, they, you know, sometimes we feel like healthy food is expensive or, you know, getting a gym membership can be expensive, but it's really not. It's an investment that's going to pay off more than anything else later on in our life. Yeah. And it's kind of the idea of pay now or pay later. I mean, with doctor visits or, medications or different things, you know, if you let, like you said, that vessel, if you let it go, you're going to end up paying eventually, I think. So it's better to be proactive. Yeah. Best investment that we'll ever make. I agree wholeheartedly. (laughs) Uh, Where can listeners follow and find you? So I am active on Instagram and my handle is within.nutrition. So And I respond to most DMs, so any questions, I'm happy to take on there. And then my website is kylieandkate.com. So I work with a doctor in Florida, and so her name is Kate. My name is Kylie, so it's kylieandkate.com. Oh, cool. Is that Kate with a K? Yep, Kate with a K. Awesome. So I'll put links to those as well. I'm sure everybody's going to want to follow you and find you after hearing your great tips. And I just want to thank you so much for your time today. And I know I was jotting notes as you were talking and learning so many things myself. So thank you for sharing all of your wisdom with us today, Kylie. Thank you for having me. It was really fun. Well, that's all for today. Before the next episode drops, I'd love to chat with you one-on-one about the BS messages and methods currently holding you back. You deserve simple weight loss and sustainable wellness. So let's figure out how to make both happen. To book your free consultation, click through the link in the show notes. Again, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Health Investment Podcast. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs. Do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast.